Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are now certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our best lives by telling one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Today on the podcast, we welcome Robin Euclid, AADP certified health coach, author, internationally renowned speaker, and leading expert in holistic digestive health. Through her coaching practice, Your Healthiest You, and her two books, Go With Your Gut and Thin From Within, she's helped thousands of clients shed both physical and emotional weight with her straightforward yet supportive coaching style. Robin has been featured on national television shows such as The View, The Today Show, E! News, and The Cooking Channel, to name a few. Robin's holistic approach to health and wellness focuses not only on food, but on all areas of life, including stress, sleep, and emotions, and the effect those have on weight and eating habits. On this episode, we discuss her personal journey to wellness and how the journey was not linear. We also discussed how she healed after a lifetime of being a cereal dieter and tips to find confidence in the skin you're in, as well as her own practical eating formula she shares in her books and with her clients. Enjoy the episode. This episode is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. If you listen to our episode with founder Carly Stein, then you already know how powerful Beekeepers Naturals products are. Beekeepers Naturals is a wellness company specializing in innovative nutraceuticals made from healing hive compounds and plant-based ingredients. Their mission is to improve people's health naturally and save the bees. Allie and I are absolutely obsessed with these products and I've been using them consistently since December when Carly was on the podcast. So Allie, what is your favorite Beekeepers Naturals product? I love the Propolis Throat Spray. I've used it consistently through the year and it's been my immune system's secret weapon, which makes sense since Propolis is basically the immune system of the beehive and has germ-fighting properties. What about you? I love the Propolis too, especially as somebody who always had strep throat and throat infections. It has seriously changed my entire life. (laughs) But with that said, my favorite product is the Bee Chill Hemp Honey. Bee Chill Hemp Honey delivers a powerful 28 milligrams of hemp oil per teaspoon so that you can find your bliss. Made with USA grown hemp, it is non-psychoactive and contains 0% THC. I sleep like a baby when I take it before bed and it seriously takes the edge off of my whole day. It also hits the spot when I'm craving something sweet after dinner, which is just an added bonus. If you want to try the Propolis or the Beechel Hemp Honey or any of the other amazing products, you can receive 15% off your Beekeepers Naturals order by using the code COURAGEOUSWELLNESS, all one word, at checkout. Or visit beekeepersnaturals.com slash courageouswellness. And you can also find the direct link in our show notes. Hi guys, we have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy boosting treat to a health enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products. 
especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout. And there's also a direct link in our show notes. Thank you for joining us, Robin. Thank you for having me. We're looking forward to talking to, to you today, but um, just wanted to start out. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your personal journey and how you came to the work that you do prior to doing it professionally? Yeah. So um, I basically have always had a longstanding obsession with food uh, and all things culinary. My dad was a voracious eater of all things like life. He'd eat life whole. He'd restaurants. I was taken to the fanciest restaurants at like five years old, you know, John George sitting there with a napkin on my lap eating with all the manners. My mom's Canadian. So yeah. um, manners are a thing, you know, she still does high tea and every day and all of that. Um, so I definitely had an unusual upbringing in the food department. My mom um, could not boil water before she met my dad and realized how important food was to him. Um, his mother would make everything from scratch. So she made her own mayonnaise, cheese kreplach, which is basically Jewish ravioli, challah, like was an unbelievable from scratch cook. My mother knew none of this. And so but when she met my dad, she realized how important it was to him. And she took a class with this classically trained French chef. And so she learned how to make coq and chocolate souffles and all these amazing things, but couldn't boil an egg. <laughs> Definitely very extreme. So I'd always grown up with this healthy love of food. My mom made dinner most nights. Um, and where that started to change for me is when I you know, was in school, my body started changing, I, my booty popped out, and unfortunately my boobs didn't at the time, but I thought it was unfortunate. Um, and my body was changing, and I saw all the girls just dieting and exercising, and I was like, okay, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. And it was really a struggle because I love food and I didn't want to restrict and I knew that I wanted my body to look differently and I didn't know who to talk to about any of this. Um, my mom's always been naturally slim her whole life and she's the kind of woman that can take a bite of a cookie and leave the rest on her plate, which was never my case. And I was more like my father who would eat his cookie, another cookie, and then look at everyone else's like leftover, like then my mother's leftover one, you know, and then we'd find him later in the cabinets at night eating more. You know, so really this struggle, and I really saw that in him and, of course, became that in myself. Um, so this kind of followed me throughout college, and post-college, I moved to L.A. and definitely was in, you know, a really tough cycle of what I called eating my feelings. You know, I was struggling out there to find real community and, um, you know, being turned down by boys I liked and, you know, L.A. just being like, who is this weird girl from New York? We don't speak that language. and. So my weight really, um, you know, was a much higher number than I was comfortable with. I'd already been up like four or five sizes in my pants. And I just knew it didn't matter about that, but I knew I was overeating. I knew that I was eating to a point way past feeling comfortable or fed or nourished. And that I was just like eating was a hobby at night. Like I would just be in my cabinets. Um, I eventually went to Weight Watchers and that actually helped a little bit because at least gave me a framework for something to do but certainly didn't fix anything. Mind you, there is no real fix, but um, I eventually found my way to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which was, um, it, for those of you who don't know, it's one of the world's largest online um, coaching programs. And I, at the time, had a new boyfriend who's now my husband and started to get really into the Santa Monica farmer's markets and cooking. And that just became kind of like how I grew up. You know, my mom being in the kitchen, me chatting with her, um, he and I would make meals together and I remember, you know, doing dishes and he would, I'd be sitting on the washing machine in his, you know, little apartment and we'd chat and it just felt, it felt different for me. It felt like just this beautiful new relationship with food. Whereas before it had been very much about how little can I eat? So how little can I weigh and the cycle of restriction, not really knowing what to do about that. Mm -hmm. Um, and always kind of feeling miserable in my body. And so I found out about the school. I decided to go. I'm typically a very indecisive person. I'm a Libra. It's all over my chart too. And yeah, all the Libra things. And 
I got the brochure at the time. It was a brochure. So this was about 11 years ago. So quite a while ago, held the brochure and I was like, oh my God, this is it, you know? And we were just dating for a few months at the time. And I'm like, we're going to move to New York. At that time it was an in-person program, but you could travel, but I wanted to move back to New York anyways. We were living in LA and he's like, um, okay. And so went back, went to nutrition school, but to be totally honest, I really thought nutrition school would finally be the thing to fix me and my body. I'm like, Oh, they're going to teach me the next great diet that is going to get these 30 pounds off, 10 pounds off, five pounds off, you know, kind of like touting it as this holistic help people, um, parade, but deep inside, I was still really struggling. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the program um, you know, I learned so much and most importantly, I learned how to become a health coach and run my own business and, um, you know, give workshops and have clients. But really at the time I was still struggling because I was replacing all of my old ways of eating with, um, paleo or gluten-free or right. not realizing, you know, that it's not, it's not about replacing baked lays with baked kale chips, which is what it was at the time. If you're still eating like two boxes of it, there's something else going on there. Right. And so even though I felt like I never really had this figured out or my body figured out or what this was all about, as you can see, there's probably some themes for aspiring health coaches is I didn't let things hold me back. I just kept doing the next best thing that I thought was the next best thing I could do, whether that was with my career or with my, you know, physical um, shape, you know, it's, it's okay to keep following the trail until you start to build some momentum or see a new sign or a new place that you're meant to be going. And so Um, it didn't really, I mean, definitely I had different stages in my coaching practice over the first five years where I definitely felt like I was having a stronger relationship with food, meaning I would start to hear more messages come through downloads, insights, intuitive hits of, you know, put the food back in the cabinet, just be with yourself. There's something coming else that this is about. Can you just sit with it? What are some of the tools that you've been learning, meditating, journaling, reaching out to a friend, um, did you eat enough today? You know, or you, did you diet through your day and now you're eating the entire evening to make up for it? You know, really finding my own more balanced way. And one piece of that, absolutely, I would say is where the gut health piece comes into my story, which is, you know, I struggled a lot to follow this way of eating, follow that way of eating. But when I focused on nourishing my gut, meaning eating more gut healing foods, eating much more simply, making sure I had a good amount of healthy fat, fermented foods. A lot of what I teach in my first book, Go With Your Gut, was kind of that mindset, that retraining of how to feed myself, not from this place of eat as little as you can so you can weigh as little as you can, kind of vicious cycle, but more really like nourishing my belly, nourishing my body is where a lot of things started to calm down. I could understand a little bit more when I was hungry. I definitely had um, a childhood of, of being given way more antibiotics than I needed. I was a chronic sinus infection sufferer. And I, like a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of heads are nodding. And I also have a heart condition. And so at the time growing up, I was under the protocol where I had to be given antibiotics every time I went to the dentist. And I had a million cavities as a kid. So just way too much that I'm sure was doing a number on my digestive health. And so I think that was part of the puzzle was that my food was not being properly digested, Mm. properly processed. And I wasn't really getting the nutrients from my food, even though I was eating the healthy thing. Um, So some process of healing went on, taking better care of my gut. And then that brought me to the next chapter that was really, I would say the most healing for me, which was becoming pregnant Mm. and starting a family. And I just, so I would say physically focusing on gut health really helped me. It felt like a very sane thing to focus on as opposed to a diet. And then what I would say, what really emotionally and mentally helped me so much was preparing my body for baby. I had this light bulb moment go off where I was like, okay, I, I went to a naturopathic doctor and was like, okay, we're going to, you know, I'm going to make sure this is the best home for this baby to grow. And I had this aha moment where I was like, wait a second, I live here. You know, this right. is my home. Right. And these are things we've heard, right? And maybe what I'm sharing for your listeners is all new and maybe you've heard it all before, but I encourage you to listen and see what's in this for you. Because sometimes we hear something again and it can really impact us in a different way. Of course, I've been taught about self-love. Of course, I've been taught about you know, viewing my body as a temple and something that's supporting me in my life. But it wasn't until I had that personal click over moment of weight, like really, I live here. 
what are you doing in this house? And that's when I brought more in of those meditative practices around my food, more blessing it, slowing down, chewing, being as mindful as I could, but in a really modern way. I call it modern mindfulness. And that process through then I was pregnant and all that brought up for me and then post baby. And a lot of those stories are in my second book in thin from within, where I share a lot more about that next layer of healing that's happened for me. And I'm, I'm very happy to say that today I don't say like I'm there. Mm. I say why I feel like I'm thriving so much in this home is that I never assume that I'm there and I never assume that I have this figured out and I never assume that the tools that I wrote in the first book or the second book are going to be the things that I need today. Mm. It's always shifting. Some things for sure are definitely stuff like the rule of five plate is my forever babe. Um, but you know, constantly checking in and asking what do I need? And so my career has really reflected that. So here I am 11 years later, I'm still practicing as a health coach, but really leading higher level group coaching programs and working on my next book and retreats and really this next level of conversation of what's beyond the belly and go from our belly into our hearts. Like what is our soul asking of us? You know, how are we being intuitively guided and how can we put that into practice? Mm. And so I say more now that I'm really just like, I like to say mindset coach, but more just like, what's going on for you? and What do you need? You know, where are you at? Where are you trying to go? And um, how can you support yourself best to get there? That's incredible. You have such an amazing journey that I think so many people can really relate to. I know I absolutely can. I definitely come from a food loving family, especially my father. And um, I, 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 still struggle and probably will always struggle with emotional eating in some way, shape, or form. So I can really relate to so much of what you're saying and the fact that even in my own personal healing, gut health, learning about the gut also really helped me. I read your book, Go With... I've read both of your books, but I did read your book, Go With Your Gut, and I read the microbiome diet as well, and really learning about these like millions and trillions of little bugs that you know, were living inside me really helped me heal in a different way. So maybe can you talk a little bit about some of the things that are in your first book, Go With Your Gut, and how that, like what specifically helped you as well? Like you mentioned the rule of five plate, and maybe you can share what that is and why that is so helpful for people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny how we connect to family members or our upbringing through food, through experiences. And a lot of us can have kind of a negative Um, attachment to that. And I almost want to give us all permission to appreciate that and bless that. And it's okay if food carries feelings for us, if eating experience experiences have emotional charges and connections. And that's sometimes how we process things like, um, you know, food isn't just fuel and it's okay if that's the vibe you're living in. Some people it is right. Like, it's like, it's okay. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be like, well, it's just, this and it's nutrients. Well, maybe for some people it is, and for some people it's not. And I, I really want to give us all permission to stop wishing we were different than who we are. Um, so <laughs> that's so important. <laughs> totally. I'm just I'm like head chief permission giver. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm always saying all day, like it's okay. Now my daughter, I have a almost four year old, um, and literally like something happens. She goes, it's okay. It's we're okay. I'm like, look, wonder where you got that from. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to share, I would say there's a lot of tools in, in both books, but I'm going to share the most impactful one for my first book, go with your gut, which is the one, two, three food freedom tool that I found. And then I'm going to share the most impactful one, um, from my second book, thin from within, which is the rule of five plate. If that sounds good. Yeah, okay. that's great. Because I do find, you know, as much as I'm speaking in, I don't know if you want to call it flowery journey type language, I, I, that's a very emotional creative side of me, but I'm also a New Yorker at heart and practical, tactical, left brain. Okay. This is a template. This is a formula that I'm going to connect to. I find really supportive, especially when things get crazier, you know? Absolutely. And I think that helps a lot. I mean, again, like I've been in this, you know, most of the listeners who probably know this, but you know, I I have a 50 pound weight loss journey and I went through this, but in this, you know, now six, seven year journey that I've been through, 
it did start just listening to podcasts, hearing people like you, you know, listening to people that you connect with and expand being like, well, what did they do that worked? And maybe through all of that, you find little nuggets that work for you and it does evolve into your own eventual system. Right. So I think it is really helpful. I agree to hear this stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then letting yourself let go of it when it's no longer serving you, right? We tend to feel guilty, you know. I've personally never found, like, I remember there's been plans of, like, a sugar detox or this that the first time was amazing. And then I went to do it a second time. I'm like, what happened? Yeah. It served me at that time. And that's okay. We're designed to keep evolving to find, you know, again, some things sort of stick, which for me are these two, um, you know, teachings that I'm going to share with you. Um, and then a lot of things are meant to come in and come out and that's cool. Yeah. Um, so first from go with your gut is the one, two, three food freedom tool. Um, so this is a process of step. Number one is look, I'll go over it. Step number two is breathe. Step number three is chew. Mm. So I'm all about gut health, right? How you can support your digestive system, but I'm also all about the practical. I get that a lot of us eat on the go. I get that, uh, you know, hour for lunch break or even 30 minutes isn't necessarily feasible for a lot of people. So what can I do to give you to support where you're at and where you're going? So the one, two, three food freedom, first of all, is designed around a very simple principle, which is that your stomach does not have teeth. And so we cannot expect it to do are chewing for us. Um, that is meant to happen in our mouth, with our saliva, with our senses. There's so much that goes on there and most of us skip over. It's crucial, crucial step. And this isn't about a conversation of, you know, oh, I inhale my food or, oh, I, I know I eat too fast. This is critical for your body and the way that it breaks down food, digests food. And if you want to give yourself a fighting chance, it's like, it's like basically, you know, when we're not chewing our food, it's like sleeping for two hours at night. Right. You know, even though, even though our bellies can handle it, bless our bellies, right? You could probably chew a tire, it would break it down for you and do, but doesn't mean it would like it. And so I like to get kind of extreme with that because it really, you know, I find like sometimes we do need a bit of a shakeup to be like, okay, oh, all right, I got it mentally. So here's a tool to help you get there. Again, not if you're someone that's chewing typically a few bites per mouthful and then swallowing food whole, this is going to be a journey for you. It took me three years three years of practicing this before I would finally found myself not doing it all the time, doing it more often than not. Mm-hmm. And now still I'm constantly checking. In. So look, breathe, chew. So one, we're going to look at what we're about to eat. This brings in the full body experience that happens. It doesn't just happen in your mouth or your, you know, your sm- sense of smell. It happens with your sight. You trigger to your brain that you're going to start eating. It gets your saliva flowing, gets your digestive juices and your stomach going. It just helps bring everything online and get it working for you. The other thing I like for this too is even if you can't really chew or slow down or you don't get a, a food break, you can look at what you're about to eat. And it's just almost like a moment of peace. If you like to say a blessing or gratitude or connect to your food, that's a good time for it. Um, also, I find it's helpful that to do that with foods that may not be deemed in the healthy category in air quotes, because we're really working hard to, you know, get rid of that language too. You know, it's, if you're having a donut, take a look at it. Like how beautiful is this donut? I'm so excited to eat it, to eat this, you know, so we're present with the experience that food is neutral and doesn't hold shameful, hide this feelings. Like if you're eating an on the go bar, take a look at it. Hi, you know, right. it's, it's a nice practice. So taking a look at what you're about to consume when, no matter what it is. To a nice deep belly breath. Obvious. And again, what I teach is really simple, but a couple of things with this. One, we all want to be more in the present moment, right? Um, you know, did I even eat what I just consumed? What happened to my whole bowl? I just, you know, I don't even remember eating it. Well, breathing brings us into the present moment. And then two, the biggest thing that it does is it creates a lot more space in your digestive tract for you to actually break down that food. So I like to give the example of think of someone who's giving you like a really tight hug and you're trying to do a jumping jack. (laughs) So most of us, especially women are typically spend our days sucking it in, you know, contracting it. Yeah. We got to work, right? Like guilty hands up, you know, me too. Um, And so that practice, I invite everybody right now just take a nice breath into your belly. You've been holding it in. Pretty sure most men aren't living there, you know, let it go. And really, we're going to retrain ourselves as a society, as a world, the world, the globe, all of us together to really just relaxing our bellies and giving ourselves the space that they deserve and need to do their job. So that's with step number two. 
Step number three, sort of hinted at it already why it's so important, but that is to chew your food. A lot of us want to be eating more mindfully. We talk, you know, it takes 20 minutes for the brain to get the signals that we've had enough. Um, You know, the best way, instead of saying, you know, oh, I need to slow down, I like to give us something to think about instead of the, you know, give you an, a tactile exercise to do. So focus on chewing. I, I can't do math, so don't worry about counting. I just say take it as far as you can. And again, this is going to be a practice. And even if you can only do that with the first five minutes of your meal or the first few bites, it's a practice. If you forget and you remember halfway through your sandwich or your salad, put down the fork, put down the toast, avocado toast, whatever it is, and like take a breath. And you can reset in every moment. So that's look, breathe, chew. One, two, three, food freedom. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, it's a great specific tool, which I actually really relate to. I guess it's the native New Yorker in me too, which is something tactical, you know, and um, I, I find like, I'm one of those people sometimes that gets busy and then will find myself ravenous and, um, and then look at food and like inhale it kind of thing because I let myself get to that place. And I've gotten better with that. Like where especially now that I understand how macronutrients work for me and to, to keep my blood sugar stabilized so I don't get like the deep, deep drop into the valley of like hanger, you know, um, in the same way. But I know, like you said, like money people, they're run, 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 you forget to eat if that's something too. And then it's like, you know, the, the inhale of like, I'm starving kind of thing. But it's interesting because I find that like doing steps like that, or as I become more conscientious, as I sit down to eat, as I maybe don't let myself go and get into that hanger zone as much. And I just eat when I'm hungry. Um, I, I find that portion starts to change too, that mindful, like if you want to call it mindfulness or just awareness as you're looking or breathing, or chewing, it takes more time. And then you have the mechanism to like be like, oh, I'm also full right now. You know, the mechanism of I'm hungry, I'm going to listen to that. And then I'm full and there's still some food on my plate. I used to be like a vacuum, right? Who just like wait till the last minute and then just like inhale all of it. But I, I see some like practical tools like this one really changing the way I approach food throughout my day. Yeah. I I also think, you know, when I first heard you talk about chewing, um, I started putting that into practice and I realized how much I don't chew. Like I think probably so many of us aren't mindful of how little we chew because I don't, Allie is way more on the go than I am. So I'm not, um, I, I, I can take my time. I'm a slow eater, but I still wasn't chewing. I was like, wow, I chew three or four times and that's it. So it really was pretty eye-opening. I think if everyone listening could really try this one, two, three step, it'll, it'll really surprise you how much chewing can make a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. And if you suffer from any gastric issues, you know, digestive issues, heartburn, start, that's one thing. I've had people tell me that they've been to every specialist on the block and they're like, oh, I tried this and I used to poop like once a week and I poop every day. I'm like, it can be that simple and free, um, (laughs) which is Yes, which is important. Really important. Um, And then also to um, share a little bit with what you said, Ali, is that um, I just find that intention is makes what makes all the difference. So even if you need to eat quickly, you're like, okay, I got too hungry, but my intention is to be present. My intention is to do the best that I can. It's sometimes my intention is I do, you know, and I do finish the whole plate, but it's intention. Right. It's slowing down and you're just like, okay, I was hungry and now I feel satisfied. Great. You know, remember checking in with yourself that the goal isn't to eat as little as possible to weigh as little as possible. Right. The goal is to feel present and intentional with your food. And then when that doesn't happen, like it's okay too, because you know, hashtag human. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, I love the permission that you give as a part of your message. I think that's really, really cool. And sometimes we forget about that. We're so hard on ourselves. Oh my gosh. And then also no one taught us this. No. Elbows off the table. No one's like, Oh, here's how you can eat more mindfully. Yeah. Here's how you can enjoy your food more. Here's how your body will likely be happier digesting your food for you. Here's how you can be more in a state of balance. And nothing I just said has anything to do with how much physical weight you're carrying. No. Just what makes you feel better. Right? And it's, I don't... Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, 
I've suffered with like medical stuff on and off. And one of those things, and it wasn't until last year, God, it was only a year ago. I had digestive stuff for the first time in my life. Like that, like without, with sparing some people (laughs) the details and I've talked about it before, but it was pretty awful. And I had never, um, I had never just like so appreciated being able to just like eat real food and go to the bathroom like a normal person and like all that stuff that I sort of took for granted before went away for a while. And um, it it wasn't until going through that. And then interestingly enough, it was when I stopped after months and months of doctors and all this and, you know, the had to go on antibiotics. It was SIBO. It was a combination of a bunch of things, really bad inflammation, terrible exams. And once I just sort of like, was just like, you know what, I'm going to step away for a second of trying everything and eating everything. And I remember it talks about like this emotional connection, going back to my grandfather's memorial service in New Jersey. And I went to a bowling alley with my cousins and we ordered Oh, like a basket of fried chicken wings or whatever. And I, you know, it was also Jersey. So there's very like, few options. It was not LA. And I had some. And when I came back from that trip, everything went away. Wow. And it was such a like, I didn't realize what I was going through was somehow also emotional, which obviously it makes sense. Everything is connected, right? But yeah. sort of what you're saying, when I just sort of released and gave myself permission to like not think about it for maybe three, four days, my symptoms just completely started to clear up on their own. Maybe. So that was just interesting. It was just interesting. Yeah. 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 No, never underestimate the power of stepping away, mm-hmm. you know, and that stepping away somehow, you know, I wish it wasn't a luxury. Um, but going for a walk, if you can travel, you know, if that speaks to you, I don't, you know, everyone has different circumstances and different situations. Maybe your step away is that you put headphones on and you say, I'm not available for the next 10 minutes, but just yeah. as much as we can, um, you know, cause it's very noisy in our everyday lives. And obviously we all come from different backgrounds and levels of privilege and that's a whole other conversation, but just that commitment to, okay, at some point this year, can I step away? And maybe it's next year. So I can get quiet and see what's going on. Where am I at? How is my body doing? Um, and what do I need? And what can I best show up for in that way? Yeah, it's it's the most most important thing. And can you tell us your second one from thin oh, sure. from within? Yeah. So yeah. we're here. We're doing one, yeah. two, three. But for anybody listening who needs, who might want those practical steps of how how can we best fuel ourselves with this rule of five plate. Yes. So the rule of five plate was born out of two things. One, that most of the clients that I was working with um, at the time, I'm, I'm not really working with clients um, now for, you know, as much specific health reasons or weight more like kind of life coaching arena, but um, you know, where they were dieting through their meals and eating through their days. So a lot of this old, um, well, I'm just, I'm a good girl. I just had a salad with a piece of grilled chicken. And mind you, that's great if that's what you want. But what's the intention? Is it to lose weight? Is it to be good? Is it to eat light? You know, and we're eating a lot of us light, very lightly during our meals and then snacking like crazy mm-hmm. or end up overeating at night. And it's a, it's um off balance, excuse me. And so finding that place where you feel like really fed, like you've eaten enough that you're not overstuffed, but you haven't under eaten during your meals. And so um, the rule of five plate is great to give you a nice balance, um, help to make sure that you're really eating when it's, you know, when it's time to eat, eat, but it's not time to eat, do the rest of your day. Um, you know, and then the other piece was sometimes we do just need a template, you know, like, okay, Robin, I'm going to, this is all speaking to me. A lot of what you're sharing, maybe, you know, this way of eating might be helpful. Um, try it, you know, try it. So, um, I was having, and I'm, i uh, play with this too. Most of the time, this is what I eat for lunch. And I generally have some version of it for dinner. But the basic template is, um, again, nothing earth shattering here. There's a couple of wild cards on there that might be new for you, but rule of five plates. So greens that can be raw greens, it can be cooked greens. FYI, raw can be difficult for people to digest. So I steam greens is a great place to start. Um, but if you can digest them, great. Some greens, variety there is always key. 
um, once in a while, look at the whole green section of your store and see what you can try that you haven't tried before. Three, I'll give you the three most basic ones first. So greens, um, healthy fat, no surprise there, avocado, nuts, seeds, olives. I would say um, uh, nuts aren't popcorn. So remember like how nuts come, they come in a really hard shell. You probably would get really bored and over it after cracking 10 of them. So that kind of gives you an idea of like, nature is really smart. You know, they didn't yeah. make it like, <laughs> like, they're not like, you know, I don't know, grapes or something. Um, so that gives you an idea. And I like to think of nuts and seeds, how you would think of olive oil. Like you wouldn't eat a cup and a half of olive oil on your salad. That would be too much for your liver. Um, So healthy fat, protein, it can be vegetarian, vegan source, animal protein source, but getting that in there as well. And then, so that's three greens, um, healthy fat, protein. And then the two wild cards of the rule of five plates, we've got four and five. Um, Four is a ferment. So fermented vegetables. So raw probiotic rich sauerkraut, um, fermented carrots, beets, again, variety there is great. Um, we're lucky that a lot of health food store, all the health food stores and, you know, a lot of mainstream stores are carrying it make sure it's in your refrigerated section. It is not the same as kraut that you, you know, get off of the shelf. It's, that is not a live probiotic rich food. So what we're going for there is live enzymes, live probiotics. What it does is it helps your body actually break down the other foods more efficiently in addition to giving you some probiotics and really being supportive for your belly. If you are someone who has suffered from um, candida or SIBO or other more extreme digestive issues, you want to stay away from this one until you feel like you can Mm -hmm. check and see if it works for you. Um, It does not work for all people. It works for most people. Um, I really love um, the Pretty in Pink Fermented Radishes, um, a recipe in Thin From Within. I'll give that to you guys. I have that on my website. You can include the link. Um, It's the easiest ferment to make. It's literally like ferment, like chopped radishes in salt water. You can leave that out and it will work. I promise. (laughs) I've made your um, kraut. There was like a, a video, yeah, that I saw of it and I decided to make it myself. And also just side note, it's so much... I mean, I love so many brands that I get at the store, but it's, you can make such a huge batch and it's so cheap to make it yourself and it's so easy to make it yourself. Yeah. It's so easy. It's awesome. I love it. But sauerkraut, I get sauerkraut is more intimidating because you're like massaging piles of shredded cabbage. Literally you could put whole uh, radishes in salt water and it will work. Like I've done it at different stages at, uh, at events where I've barely been able to do it or measure and it still works. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are afraid to make their own ferments. No one has died. No one's gotten sick. <laughs> There's no medical records that that has ever happened. You know, um, I definitely have more resources for, you know, how to check and it's in my books, obviously. Um, but do not be afraid. But if you just want to buy them to begin, that is okay. I actually do buy most of my sauerkraut and fermented vegetables because, you know, it's a project. Everything's it a, is project. a project. Yeah. It's a project. And then number five, and this is one that I, again, if, if emotional eating or overeating, um, is something that you really, uh, you know, are working your way through, I don't like to even say struggling with, um, uh, cooked vegetables was really a game changer for me and my lunch plate and dinner. Cooked vegetables are really grounding. They're really nourishing, often like root vegetables, carrots. It's just the thing that you put on your plate that you feel much more satisfied, much more connected to nature, much more connected to what you're eating. There's definitely an energetic principle with that. Um, And so my lunch plate is typically like salad greens, some cooked carrots that I meal prepped. So I'll make some trays of roasted vegetables, let's say avocado, salad dressing, whatever protein I'm having of course my kraut that's my lunch dinner I kind of break it down a little more like I'll have like kale with a bean pasta tomato sauce maybe some other kind of protein then I'll snack on some sauerkraut before something like that so I let it be a little bit more broken down but generally most of the components um, are getting on there and then breakfast um, I'm having simpler breakfast these days um, because of where my workout is but for breakfast you could do eggs avocado some steamed sweet potato you know again um, playing with this and seeing what works for you. I do get that that kind of a plate might be, if you're in an, a typical office, might be a little funky, but I just encourage everyone to be the weird one. <laughs> if your lunch smells great, here comes, you know, Allie and Erica with their, you know, who knows what is in their reusable Tupperware. But you know what? I eat like this most of the time. And we talk a lot about the 80-20 rule out there in the world, but like I really do eat like this most of the time. It's very simple. It's pretty straightforward. And I feel great. And then when I go away, 
when I travel, I was at Blackberry Farm and eating fried chicken most days. Like it was no big deal. It wasn't a thing. And I didn't come back and punish myself or do a reset or eat light. I just it went back to the way that I'm normally eating, which is using the one, two, three food freedom tool most of the time and structuring my meals this way to make sure that I'm fed and that I'm, I'm just really eating in a very simple, straightforward way yeah. for me. <laughs> no, I, I love that. It's so, everything you say is so accessible and I feel like it's, you can try this, right? And see if it works for you. Um, and as you've mentioned, you know, food is one very big component, right? Because food is all around us all the time. But, you know, that emotional component, right, that you you talk about, right? Like going with your gut, like your first book, right? Go with your gut. Um, but going with your gut doesn't, it, it, a lot of times, right, what does that make us think about? It's that mind-gut connection, right? Like there's emotions at play here. So again, like for me, as I touched on earlier, I was just telling Allie today, I was like, I think I'm fully addicted to cheese. Like if there is cheese around me, I can't like, I can't stop eating it. I was last night, I was literally just eating cheese out of my refrigerator. And I was like, this is why I don't keep it in my home. Um, but it's very emotional, right? It's the way some people go to a glass of wine or, you know, um, totally. nut butter, whatever it is. We all have that thing for me. It's definitely cheese. It's what I crave when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling sad, whatever. I crave a lot of other foods too, but I just talked about cheese. So, um, but where do you help people start from that place, right? So here we have the food component, but obviously this is directly connected. How do you help people take that first step to going inward and, and dealing with these emotions? Because it's so hard and confusing. And even myself, sometimes I'm like, oh, I feel food freedom. And then I'm back in my refrigerator, right? So um, yeah, how do, how do you help people through this? Yeah. I totally hear you on the cheese thing. That's my like, I'm uh, like, leave the door open, the drawers open and just, you know, what do I have um, in here? So I feel you. It's okay. Like sometimes I'm there too. And again, with this gentleness of self, I know it's not really going to make a big deal because yeah. it's not what I'm doing most of the time. It's just something that happens, you know, once in a while, I'm like, okay, hashtag human. But I get it that you don't want it to feel like it has a hook in you, right? Like you want to feel like you're more empowered by the choices you're making as opposed to being dragged along. Mm -hmm. So first off knowing um, it is a very long process to make real change around food. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking like decades yeah. because think of how long you've been eating a certain way or think of, you know, if you veer more in the disordered eating category or just not even that far, but something that just feels like this is, I know I could be doing better. Like, You've been doing that likely for a really long time. Yeah. And the first thing that I would tell people, you know, clients or people in my community or read my books that, you know, oh, you came to me to do this in four months, four years would be great. Yeah. You know, and when I say four years, it's not even for it to be gone. It's just for it to shift a little. Mm -hmm. And the progress you're really looking for is, you know, um, is something that you might consider a binge. Is it happening less often? Is it you know, feeling less, um, sharp and, you know, is it shorter? Is your recovery time, you know, quicker? Is there more periods in the time? And then if it's just happening, like kind of more, that's what you've worked towards. That's a huge success. Consider yourself like winning. Um, so it's really this softness around the process of working on something like that. So no, it's a long process that your goal is to, I always like, I, I'd love to give the image of, um, you know, the coffee table that you always like trip over the edges, like imagine those little baby bumpers around the coffee table. Like you're just these, your cheese, you're just putting baby bumpers around the cheese. You're just softening, <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> the interaction with it and the experience of it. Um, and then also knowing too, like sometimes there are some foods, depending what you've got going on in your life that you can't keep in the house yeah. and that's okay. You know, and if you've got a partner or kids, you know, they get their own basket and you put it on a high shelf and maybe you tell them and you say like, I need to keep this away for now. Um, you know, and, and, or if you do have autonomy over your house, like you just, you put it away. I remember the most deathly thing for me in the world was roommates in my twenties in LA. I remember he would have peanut butter and I would just go to town. And then I remember I'd replace it before he could see and try and like match it up to what he had before. I mean, bunkers, you know, but that was, that was kind of the hell that I was in and it felt like hell. Um, 
So ideally, hopefully you have some kind of autonomy or you can make an arrangement with the person you're living with that it is a way it's sealed. And, you know, um, you know, sometimes we do need those tricks. You know, if you make a homemade food and you're, you know, you're overeat it, you, you do keep it in the freezer or you get it out of the house. Like we've become kind of shameful around, well, I can't keep that in the house. Like, no, you can't. And that's okay. And maybe one day you will be able to again. And that's not today. Right. No, I, um, that's how I feel about nut butters. Actually. I I went through a phase where I like, couldn't keep nut butters, peanut butter, any sort of butter, but just, I would be that girl in the spoon when I'd have a stressful day or whatever. And, um, yeah, but now like I have like three jars of different kind of nut butters in my home and it doesn't even tempt me. She is right. Different story, but it is, it's, it's, I think it is smart. Sometimes you just need to do that. And there is no shame. There's so much shame around all of this. And I think that's such a big step and just healing too. Cause I think that's, you know, why we have the podcast. But when we started sharing our own stories, like I wouldn't even talk about losing 50 pounds for so long. Cause I even held shame around like that. I had had 50 pounds to lose, which again, I've shared this on the podcast before, but it was so interesting to me when I, I realized that I was like, I have nothing to be ashamed about. Now I talk about it all the time and I'll tell like everybody who has ears anywhere, you know, about <laughs> my self-love journey. Cause that's what it really was. It had nothing to do with the physical weight. When I learned, when I started loving myself at my largest size, the weight fell off. It was pretty unbelievable. So it is, this shame is so, it just can hold on to us so hard. Yeah. And even, um, you were mentioning before when you started um, your schooling again and you're like, I was paleo and then I was this and I was that, like all these labels too that go along with that. Um, I feel like there's shame, you know, we were talking about like how eating or your journey or whatever it may be is an evolution and that's okay. And things are going to be different at different times because you're going to be different at different times. And I remember... I've also shared this, but when I had gone through some um, surgeries and I was healing from cancer surgeries and all of a sudden for the first time in four years, my body was screaming, go eat a piece of steak, go eat a piece of steak. And I felt, I listened to it because it was really strong. Like it was a really strong message for me. Um, But I walked into the butcher and I was like a vegetarian and I had like sunglasses on. I was like, so, you know, nobody cared. Nobody gave a shit, but like I had shame around that. (laughs) And, um, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you listen to your intuition, your gut, whatever it told me, my body was being really intelligent in that moment. And it told me what it needed when I was healing. And, um, that is just so interesting. It's like, but that may be different. What, you know, five years from now, that may be different next week. And that's also okay. And that idea of like not having to label or not having to fall into one thing. And that kind of actually brings me to my next question for you. I think in this wellness sphere, something you've been able to achieve um, as a health coach and just sort of as a, a wellness personality or that, uh, <laughs> that you because you love food too, and you talked about that earlier in this episode and grew up with an appreciation for good food, it doesn't seem like you um, restrict in that sense of like labeling how you eat and um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, you know, it doesn't seem necessarily like one thing is totally off limits for you or that you put that around um, food for yourself. So can you talk to our listeners a little bit about that? And, and is that just a part of like your personal journey, how you've gotten to where you are? And obviously you're talking about how you create your plates and how you eat most of the time. But then if you go eat fried chicken for a few days, it's no big deal because you go back to how you eat most of the time. How, how does that work for you? And do you ever find um, the impulse to restrict? Mm. Um, so I actually used to be pescatarian for 20 years. So I was just never talking about it publicly because I never wanted it to be a thing. And I never thought it was that interesting, but it was a restriction for sure because I didn't really trust myself with the whole menu. And I was like, well, I can just have this and I can't have the other things. And I stopped uh, being pescatarian around when I had my daughter. So it was four years ago. So, um, you know, that definitely, yeah. So that definitely became a, a voice that was stronger that I wanted to listen to. Um, 
I just learned with me that ultimately, like, I lean into what feels good for me. I know what makes me feel good and what doesn't. And then I also have um, the filter that I run that through to make sure that it's not a restriction either. You know, I've heard a lot of people in mindful eating saying, well, um, you know, I just want to eat what feels good. It's like, no, I like to eat what crap too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I don't make it a thing. I just have so deeply learned the lesson at this point that I was never at my heaviest when I was trying to be my thinnest. Yes. 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 And anything that veers more in that direction, like I can look at, you know, what I eat over extra indulgent weekend and really think about it and then let that spiral. But I just know that like, if I come back to what feels good and tastes good, like I enjoy my roll of five plates. I love, that's why part of it is also, um, which I didn't mention is like, it's hitting all your tastes. Like we don't have enough bitter taste in our diet. Mm. We don't have enough sour taste in our diet. So these are like technical nutritional terms, you know, like when you get more of that in, it's going to balance the salty. It's going to balance the sweet. When you're eating enough in a mealtime and you give yourself permission to eat enough, like everything else falls much more into balance. Mm -hmm. So coming back to that Libra nature of mine, you know, I don't love the word like, oh, everything in balance no matter. It's you have to find your own. And that is different for everybody. But I know the, I've seen with myself, my community, a calmness and a gracefulness around it and an understanding of self and just that constant tuning in to maybe it's your intuition, but maybe it's really just your heart. Yeah. And you're like, what do you, you know, tonight, is it, is this about the cheese or like, am I lonely, you know? Yeah. And like, we'll never stop having that conversation. And I'm never going to stop having that conversation just because there's some lessons that I've learned. This is something that I really the most empowering thing I could gift I could have given myself is to say, okay, well, you'll need to check in with this every day forever. Maybe one day you won't, but just know forever. And I'm like, oh, Mm. cool. Great. Forever. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) That's so, yeah, that's so helpful, right? To hear. And, and yeah, that's so amazing. And I do, I think you have like your Instagram page, your books, it really is this wonderful balanced life, right? That it it seems, I think for a lot of your followers and readers and, and people who watch you, it is like you really found beautiful balance, but I think in a way that people can relate to, because I remember, I think it was early on when I started following you, but I remember this because it like, it, I was like, Oh, I get this girl. It was like, you're at some store and you took like, I think an Instagram video of like some sort of box processed food. And you were like, I would eat this whole box or like you said something like that. And I, it's just, I was like, wow, like I, I can, I can vibe with this girl. Cause I think, right. Like Ali was saying, in wellness, it's very easy <laughs> to find people who are paleo or ve- you can find like groups, but I think it can be harder to find balance. And I think, uh, you know, as a Libra, as a fellow Libra, I think you've done a great <laughs> job at, at that. But, you know, there's something else too that you mentioned recently that really stuck with me. And I'd love you to share it with our listeners. And I think you've already touched on it in this episode, but this concept of there, right? Like this concept of there um, and how you realize that there doesn't exist. So maybe if you could share that a little bit too. Yeah, I my most pivotal moment around that was um, I found a picture of when I was at a yoga retreat with my husband. Um, We were in uh, Nicaragua and um, I was also training for half marathon at the time. So I was like doing two classes a day of yoga, running six, eight, 10 miles in the back of the jungle, you know, and it was a new resort. So they didn't quite have their food supply figured out. And, um, you know, like I remember the day the avocados came, we were all like, oh, calories, fat, you know. And it's funny because during that trip, I remember never seeing, you know, my strong, beautiful body. I just remember still seeing like where my butt meets my thighs and a belly that would hang over and, you know, my face or whatever it was that I saw at the time. And I found a picture from that trip. I can't remember when this was years ago. And I looked at it and I was like, Oh my goodness, girlfriend, like you, if you didn't think you were there, then you're never going to be there. Like you are not to be trusted, (laughs) not to be trusted with 10 pounds on top of this, 30 pounds on top of this, this weight, like you are just, you are not to be trusted. You take that steering wheel, hand that over from yourself. You are not to be trusted. 
you know, there is no there. And just that complete like release and surrender and freedom from there is no there, which is why instead of a weight or a goal or a pair of jeans, it really is what's my intention? How am I feeling? What would feel most supportive? And maybe your body and physical weight will reflect that and maybe it won't. Like, I think you know, like you feel your best when you're eating in a way that feels your best for you. It has nothing to do with whether or not you ate the cheese or didn't eat the cheese. That's why I'm not afraid to have this conversation of, you know, where can your outsides match your insides more? I say in, in my book, you know, um, a, a, a wanting to lose weight is a sign that we want something to be different with our bodies, but even more so in our lives. Yeah. You know, what is weighing you down? And it's okay to have that conversation. And I know it's been a real, real tricky one because it's a lot of appearing on the outside slim girls, obsessing and wanting to be five pounds lighter. And that's what the wellness industry is geared towards or people that really, you know, feel like they do have more weight to lose. To me, it is, are you eating in a way that feels good? Are you eating an amount of food that feels like it's fueling you that you're not overstuffed? You know, if you are overeating at most of your meals or, you know, binging most nights, yeah, you need some help. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. And not yeah. to be ashamed of that. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I think that's an important message. Can I ask, how do you bring this, you know, this work that you do and you work with so many different women and, and now you're doing more sort of like lifestyle coaching and, or life coaching um, in addition to it, but it's all connected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how does this play into your life at home with your family? Does it, do you feel like it carries out, like, especially like if you're, you know, you're raising a daughter, do you, are you super conscious of the way you talk about food, about the way you, how you guys shop as a family too, that kind of thing, how you cook, how you prepare, how does that, how does that work? Like away from the professional part of it? Yeah. So the food part I'll answer in a minute. The, The emotional part of it is really, you know, giving myself permission to be where I'm at. Lately, I've been feeling like something in my life is not a fit anymore. And I don't know what that is exactly. And so rather than being upset, well, what is it? Or trying to figure it out or white knuckle it, I'm saying, okay, like there's something going on here. I love more signs. I'm open for messages. Please, you know, universe help support me through this next stage and just looking for the little clues. So just giving myself that gentleness, that permission, um, I've really been leaning into. Um, And then the other piece, you know, so just that kind of like, what am I doing with my life? What's next? So a lot of what I've shared, you know, so far that that applies to that. And then when it comes to the food piece, you know, the food stuff with kids, partners, whoever, it is tricky. You know, there's definitely some things that I've tuned into, like I try to make food neutral, but my daughter makes it a treat. It's in so many, you know, like I've, I've heard a lot of people share like, um, you know, I, I let them have whatever they want. So therefore they don't go crazy when they get sugar. I let her pretty much have whatever. She still goes crazy when she gets yeah. sugar. You know what I mean? So basically what I'm trying to say with that is like, we don't have a there for us. There is no there with the kids. There is no formula. I'd say a couple things have been helpful. I do talk to her about digestion. I've shown her videos, you know, as best that I can to her developmental level, explain like, this is food. This is what happens in our body. It helps us grow big and strong. You know, like I call, um, you know, I don't use the word treats, but I call them more sometimes foods, you know, it's okay for us, but these are the foods that help us, you know, do a little bit more of this in our body. These are some Mm -hmm. foods that taste great, but maybe they don't help our hair grow or things like that. And that's okay. But we want to make sure that we, you know, I said to my daughter, like recently I tried to give her something that I don't know, was considered more healthy. And she was like, yuck. And I was like, maybe just, you know, sometimes it's a food that, you know, helps us feel good and helps us grow and our bodies feel good and our brains feel strong and clear and helps us sleep. Like, Tastes just whatever, but we eat it. You know, I was just like, like, hey, girl, like, I know it does. That doesn't taste like the piece of chocolate. Like, not is not all. That's not the goal of all of this. Like, I had a very like frank moment with her. Um, so just trying my best to not make food. You know, to make food neutral. I don't use it as much as it would. I would love to give her a lollipop to get a Thanksgiving photo. Um, I won't do it. Not to say it's never happened or happened from you know outside sources. Like gentleness in life. Um, but really explaining to her how, as much as I can, how much her body works, showing her what food does, using it as neutral, not, you know, I definitely, we, a lot of us are rewarded with food, right? We reward ourselves with, us, yeah. with food and I'm not coming down if you're a parent and no way, shape or form, like 
um, am I coming down on you? We all do the best we can in those moments. And like I said, I've certainly not been perfect with this, but I have the intention to do the best I can around it. That's and so then beautiful. just be relaxed with her around food as much as I can. And if your kid only eats like three healthy things, great. That's three wonderful healthy things you'll grow from there. Like, yeah. be, you know, I ate so many so much cookie crisp and peanut butter Captain Crunch. I don't know how I'm still alive. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and I no. still eat those things. The peanut butter <laughs> Captain Crunch sounds like I know, right? Uh, but yeah, no, I think that's why it's like you, yeah, no, it's true. It's really about celebrating what you're doing right as opposed to punishing ourselves, right, for what we're doing wrong. And, you know, we have two questions we ask everyone as we begin to wrap up. And um, the first is, you know, you are, your plate is so full, you know, like we're talking so much about food, but your emotional plate must be just so full. So what are some ways that you take care of yourself and prioritize self-care in your daily life? What are some of those non-negotiables? Um, they used to be things more like movement and meditation. Movement is no longer something I have to think about. It doesn't become a non-negotiable. It's just, it's the same as I drink water and I poop and I pee and I exercise. So letting those kind of like, even with the theme of letting things shift and serve you at different times, that that's no longer in the, what do you do? It's just, Mm -hmm. it is. Um, so the things that I'm focusing more on now that I do need to make space and intention around, um, I've been saying morning prayers a lot. I'm a Jewish girl from Long Island, um, but I've been, you know, on my knees, like asking God, universe, whatever, to release what's not of me from my evening and let that go and bless me and my family and loved ones for the day. And, you know, may I be guided and serve in the best way possible. That's really, I know that might, you know, who knows where you're at on your spiritual or religious path or the opposite of that, but um, I'm just going to go for it and say that because the truth is I would love to meditate most mornings, that would mean for that to guarantee to happen, I'd have to wake up at 5.30 a.m. And I am choosing sleep right now. And so I do meditate sometimes, but it's not always in the, you know, so like that little prayer, I can do that on the toilet. I can do that anywhere. It's been great. Um, And I think for me, the evenings just really recognizing how calm I really do need it. Like telling my husband, I need quiet. Like I'm listening to music or I'm, um, you know, reading, just leaning into that because my days are, it's true with social media and everything. It's so stimulating. New York city is so stimulating, overwhelming, just like the shh in the evening. So if that means I need to take a shower or I take a bath, whatever it is, again, none of this is perfect. Um, but just leaning into calm and what that could look like for the evening as much as possible. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And then, uh, the last one is we've talked about your books, which are exciting. Uh, do you have books that have been, or a book that has been particularly meaningful to you? Um, I'm sure maybe there are many, but just that you would like to share one with our listeners over the course of your journey. And it can be on really anything. Oh, wow. So the one that popped into mind was, um, something we didn't touch much about, but my father actually passed away from cancer when I was 17. Mm -hmm which is very deeply connected to the food connection story. So that I'm actually kind of sweet that we're ending on this because you can see that additional emotional layer that that, um, you know, created for me and my attachment to him and attachment to food and his life with food and all that whole story there, right? We all have these stories. Um, and then after he passed away, I remember um, I had a dear friend at the time that I was getting really angry and I could see myself going down this anger path. And he recommended this book to me and I read it and I was like, Oh, I don't have to choose anger. I can choose a different way. Um, and it was Dan Millman's way of the peaceful warrior. And to me, it was just such, I don't even know what's in that book anymore. So it's funny that I'm saying it, but to me, that was such a shift of like, I can look for the lesson in this or the gifts or the opportunities. And I can walk down this spiritual self-help path and not that it, you know, necessarily, you know, I don't cry and miss him, but there's some layer of peace that I think that book opened up for me. Um, and I have no idea if I'd relate to it today, you know, but you know, I was 17, 18 then when I was reading it and I'm 40 now, but it's definitely stuck with me is just that lesson of we can choose a different perspective on anything, right? Even death. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that great recommendation. And so for anybody listening who doesn't already follow you or have your books, uh, where can they find you on the internet and get your two books? 
Yeah. So um, Robin Euclid, um, well, I'm sure everything will be linked, but it's Robin with a Y, last name Y-O-U-K-I-L-I-S. Um, so that's my Instagram. That's my website. Um, books or wherever. Go with your gut is the name of my first book title. So that's an easy one to remember. So Amazon bookstores always support local bookshops if you can. Um, uh, go with your gut and thin from within. Those are available everywhere. And like I said, um, I have a newsletter, but Instagram is the main way to hang out with me as it is with most people these days. And I enjoy it. I'm kind of like a performer with a, you know, actress. And so I'm like, Hey, you know, it's the Robin show. How can we hang out today? And I have just have an incredible um, community that I've built there in my DMS and I respond to every message and every comment. And, um, it's just, I am grateful. So, you know, social media and Instagram has given me so much. So come hang out with me there for sure. Yes. Say hi. Say how you found me. <laughs> Definitely. And um, yes, you can find all of this in our show notes. So check it out there for direct links. And thank you so much, Robin. We really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch through our website, www.courageouswellnesspodcast.com. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness. <laughs>